Gaming and BS, episode 221, recorded December 16th, 2018. Welcome to Gaming and BS, the tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, folks. Glad to have you on board. If you're new, welcome. Welcome, welcome. So, Sean, you 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 used to read out when the show is going to drop. Now you started reading it when it's recorded. What the hell, man? What's going on? Well, you're, cha- you're changing things without consulting me, and I'm angry about it. It's because I don't... I want to say we are going to drop on Wednesdays. Uh, every week, but what I've been doing is more editing than we have done in the past. And so that it, so what happens is, well, basically what you want to do is you want to jack up the quality potentially. And if something gets in the way, timing, it takes a little bit longer to get something done. We have the luxury of perhaps going on a Thursday or maybe even a Tuesday if things go really well for you. Correct. Yes. Okay. And, and sometimes we run into, well, Brett and I can't record on Sunday. So we record on Monday and then Tuesday. So Monday is recording. Tuesday we work. And then Sean <laughs> sometimes does his best. Or I mean, I'm not saying you do slapdash work, right, dude? I think you do great work, honestly. Yeah. But it's it's hard for you to do your best work and to put in those little tweaks or the things like, oh, I really wish I could have taken out that one little eh that Brett had. I really wish I could have fixed that. But guess what? I only had so many hours to crank it out to make sure I hit my Wednesday deadline. So, okay. Right. Because there's times when I will try to get this together like the morning of or I have a morning or evening because during the eight hour work, eight to 10 hour workday, I can't get to it. So if anything is scheduled that morning or that evening, I'm kind of screwed and I can't get to the show and that delays things. So legit. We, we will always, we have never missed a week except for two, I think, episodes in four years. Yes. Right. At least, well, even even when I fell on the ice, I think, did we miss? I don't think no, we missed. No, we did. We we recorded that one. The I mean, Motorcycle Accident was the only one I could think of, and I know there was another one, but it's been like major events that have caused a miss. Yeah. Actually missing a week, not yes. a day. You know, we've missed days, yes. So we're kind of- we apologize for those that set their watch to Wednesday noon central time. Well, you know, and quite frankly, we're pretty freaking proud of the fact that we that we hit it like all the time. That's pretty it's pretty cool, man. Yeah. Uh, so that's good that's a good point. I'm glad you Brett that brought that up, Brett. Um Brett's got a couple things to mention, but before he does, because uh, right. they I don't wanna like follow up Brett. Because <laughs> then, you know, it's it's just not gonna go over very well for me. But I just wanted to put out a thanks to Larry Hollis for creating a gaming and BS subreddit. So Larry's got some clout on on Reddit and created a gaming and BS subreddit and made us the moderator. So thanks, Larry Hollis. We'll have a link in the show notes to that. So we now have our own subreddit. Yay. That's cool. That's very cool. Yeah. But now I'm um, Given that little tidbit, I will now turn it over to Brett with bigger and better news. Well, I wouldn't say bigger, bigger. Well, Matt, maybe bigger. Well, God, anyway, all right, here guy. we go. Here I'll we go. First things, for, I'm going to get the easiest thing out of the way. Evercon, you've heard me talk about it before. Um, our event registration is shut down. We have a lot of events. Last I checked, I know some popped in today, the 16th when we recorded. 
an alpha. My partner in crime is getting things there. I know my daughter, Ilana, got her event in just today, which means her old man, me, just got around to it because I almost forgot. But I think we're closing in over 200 events, which would be pretty cool. And uh, But your discounted pre-reg badges, 35 bucks for the weekend, evercon.org. Check that out. Hope to see folks there the first part of uh, January. Yeah. Yeah. All right. By the time the sucker drops, Avalon Kickstarter is live. Streets of Avalon Kickstarter is live, people. Um, yes, yes, yes. We will be slapping links out on the uh, Google Pluses. I know it's still there and people are still around. Facebook, the Twitters, the MeWe's, Reddit. We'll try to get the word out to lots of different folks. We've had some great support already from uh, folks like Ray Otis and Chris Steele and uh, Jason Hobbs who said, hey, once you've got links and so on, let me know. I'll get it out to to my community. So thank you all very much for that. But just a couple little peeks in case you haven't had a chance to look at it. You're listening to this for the first time going, oh, shit, I wanted to check that out. Um, we're looking at $10 for the PDF. Um, we're going to do print through drive through and we're looking at $25, or excuse me, $24, $24 for the coupon for the drive through And I believe the way drive through works is there's there's a little bit of overhead for shipping and stuff, but it's really it's really pretty pretty easily done. I've done this before with Kickstarters, with drive through fulfillment. I always had really good luck with it. The other thing that does is it helps us with anybody overseas type of thing as well, less packaging and handling. We will have some stretch goals and all that good stuff, and once it's live, assuming um, folks – um, want to see this thing happen? They want to support it, and they want to throw the ten bucks at us for the PDF. We got enough of them. It'll be on Drive Through RPG once we're done. So the uh, <clears throat> the goal is that right now a ten dollar PDF, twenty four dollar coupon for the for the print copy on Drive Through. Get your hard cover, your soft cover, and whatnot. But the cost will no doubt go up once it's actually live and in production. So once it hits Drive Through RPG after the Kickstarter's closed and all that stuff. That craziness is done and over with. It will be, um, you know, the price will go up a little bit. So this is a good time to get in a discounted rate. I've seen more art from Matt Morrow. I saw John Arcadian's um, intro little video that he put together for the Kickstarter before it went live, and I am I am very very happy. I'm uh, honestly quite humbled at the amount of work and effort that the Encoded crew and Matt Morrow, from an artist perspective, and other folks who have been involved in this have. The support and the work they put into it to help me make this happen has been pretty overwhelming for me. So it was it was very, very cool. So I want to make sure I thank all of those folks because it's really, really fucking cool. I'm super stoked. That's awesome, Brett. You should be excited as hell and uh, well done. And I haven't even looked at the product and I know it's going to be great. Well, there's the Sean. I, we, I think we, I don't know if we called it the Sean Kelly level, but we're trying to get like that big. Oh, my God. The, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Jesus. Anyway, anyway. Go bankrupt. I expect big things from you, Mr. Kelly. Big, yeah. big things. Oh, Jesus. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> Sean's going to have to have another motorcycle exit just to help pay for the Kickstarter money he owes me. <laughs> Sorry. So we should have, we, if everything going smoothly, what we will what we may do is ha- we will have a- we should have a link in the show notes to the Kickstarter when this drops. Yes. Bre- do you know how long is it going to run, Brett? Do you know? I think we're going to. It's the thirty day one. We're going to do a pretty days. tight. We're going to do okay. a pretty tight one. Um, there is now. I'm saying thirty days right now, and somebody may get on there and say, "Oh, wait, it's going a little bit longer." 
So Phil, Chris, and I are bopping things back and forth on Slack and just making sure that everything's ticked and tied. And part of it, too, is we want to make sure that it gets the right amount of attention from the encoded crew and everybody's able to focus on it and really knock it out. So, yeah, I'm I'm pretty jazzed. I mean, the the price points, I think, are, are solid just for your to get the book in PDF, 10 bucks. I think that's a that's a pretty damn good deal. You know, 100 plus pages of coolness. So that should be pretty fun. So what and this may come with the Kickstarter, but what do you anticipate as a drop date for the actual product? Um, I, that's a damn good question. I don't have the answer. <laughs> so as far as just, and I've mentioned this before, the writing is in that 90th percentile done. We've already started working on writing stretch goals, assuming that let's say, Hey, we hit one, regardless of if I hit one of the stretch goals, the type of thing that are within them, it's, it's stuff I want to do anyway. Um, they're all components of the classes and uh, firearms and Avalon and some of those things, that's stuff I want to produce regardless so even if for some reason the Kickstarter wouldn't unlock a stretch goal, I wouldn't care. I want to, I'd want to write this thing anyway and have it published on drive-thru at some point. Anyhow, this would just kind of put the pressure on and make sure that it gets done and help pay for the art and all that good stuff. So pretty cool. I'm excited. That's awesome. Um, are they, Is one of the stretch goals where you will run a game for oh, yes. somebody? Yep. yep. Okay. We, do have, uh, we do have me running a game. And there is a um, there is a stretch box uh, uh, a stretch box a stretch goal of what's in the box. So if you listen to the actual play podcast, that would um, the Streets of Avalon one that would uh, that would that would ring a bell to you. The other piece, speaking of Chris Nizak, has re released or is is re releasing the Streets of Avalon actual play and what he's done the last two um, uh, episode two and episode three. He has read excerpts from the book on it, which is kind of cool. I which I thought was a nice touch. So when you're even if you just download, you're like, oh, I don't need to re-listen to the whole thing, but you'd like to get a, a little taste, if you would, of what the uh, what's in the book. Listen to that, um, the first little minute or two there, and Chris reads some excerpts. So it's pretty cool. Oh boy! All right, let's move on before you ask me questions I can't answer. Your pants. <laughs> Random encounter. All right, Brett, you want to start off? Yeah, let's see here. Ah, Jeff Seifert comments on Waterborne Adventures and organized play. Ooh, we got a twofer. All right, hey, Brett and Sean, listen to the episode on water adventuring. I wanted to mention that Razor Coast from Frog God Games is another great nautical adventure series. Thank you. I had the picture in my head of the Razor Coast cover, and I could not think of the damn title. So thank you very much. Thank you, Jeff. Also, he says, in terms of organized play, check out the following. Living Arcanus by Paradigm Concepts. We'll have a link in the show notes. Uh, ParadigmCampaigns.com. Um, Cypher Play, we mentioned that. Cypher Play by Monty Cook Games. Modifius Star Trek Adventures Living Campaign. And uh, Modifius Mutant Chronicles as a living campaign as well, which I did not know about either. So that's pretty cool. Thank you, Jeff. I'm really glad he brought up Razor Coast because I had that picture in my head while we were talking about it. I'm like, what is the thing that Frog God did? And I could not remember. So there we go. Very cool. Yeah, I believe Razor Coast was done... Like there's four editions. Like there's one with Pathfinder, one that's not system at all. Could be. I think. I think, and then there. I think. I think there's a couple, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, Razor Coast, good stuff. Uh, next one, just a few more examples. Uh, for you that I know of. Um. Oh, you mentioned this. So this is a Jeff continued. Uh, Brett. Oh, was it? Oh, good lord! 
I thought he I thought he was done. Yeah. There. My bad. Here we go. Uh, just a couple more, says Jeff, of examples that he knows of uh, above. And he wanted to thank us for the terrific podcast and keep up the great work. I appreciate all the insights. And he's looking forward to the Avalon Kickstarter next week. Sweet. Jeff Seifert. Thank yeah. you, Jeff. Awesome. Blake Ryan suggests a show topic. So I don't know if we want to cover this or not, Brett. But nonetheless, uh, Blake, thanks, Blake, for supporting the show via Patreon. And uh, always interacting with us on Google or Google Plus, Twitter, actually. Yes. Can, can I suggest a few topics? One, going back, would you ever reboot one of your own campaign stories but revised with the lessons learned? Why or why not? Uh, change system or setting or neither. And then two, going home. You played Star Wars slash Vampire slash D&D for years as your main game, uh, longest sessions are most frequently played, then left and played a bunch of games. What would make you go back? For Brad, I guess it would be Vampire. So Interesting. You, we don't have to answer that, Brett, but if, if we want to put that in the, the thing to tackle. I think, I think um, both of those are really good. Yeah. Because the lessons learned component, you know, are we indeed wiser and smarter now than we were when we tried to run something that failed? Could we go back at it? Or even if you said, hey, that was a hell of a game. No, this is all good stuff. Thank you, Blake. Two very good ideas. We shall throw them in the pit. Yeah. All right. So let's get into the main topic. All right, Brett. So I came up with a couple games that I thought would be good to compare and contrast that seem to overlap a little bit that some of our listeners may or may not have heard of. So we're talking about Kids on Bikes versus Tales from the Loop. So Brett, I have extensive notes. Good. Because this is not Brett doesn't know much about either. Is I know fair? nothing about them other than the general premise, and frankly, um, the premise is not interesting to me. So, so that that has kept me away from the game. So I'm hoping that through this discussion, so on, I'll be like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. I know people have a freaking hell of a good time playing these games. Angela, I know Kevin's played them. Uh, Tom Flanagan, I, I've known and talked to a bunch of people at cons and other people whose names I'm forgetting right now. Played both of these, liked them both. I am just not interested, but it's probably because I don't know enough about them. So, Sean, wow me. Bring me bring me the knowledge. Well, let me ask you this, Brett. Have you watched, have you ever watched The Goonies? I have watched The Goonies, yes. Okay, so Brett is not. So Brett is still, I'm still in favor of Brett. <clears throat> I, so if I, you would have said no, I would have been like, oh man, I don't oh, even dude, know. Oh, dude, I can, yeah, I can quote from The Goonies. Okay. Yeah, I, I know The Goonies. Have you watched Stranger Things yet? No. Oh God, man! Why? So well, it's time. I just I don't have time. Well, watch well, it with strike, the kids, strike man. That. I do. Not, I have not yet made time to watch the TV show. Watch it with the kids. My wife has watched it. She said it was pretty good. Yeah. Ask her if it's kid kid okay. Yes, I will. Absolutely. I think it. I think it is for both your kids, honestly. Yeah, they're both pretty. They're both pretty good, like that. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there would be anything alarming. Uh, I mean, if you're talking maybe kids less than. I mean, listen to me. Like I have kids. <laughs> like I have no kids. I don't know. Yeah. Certain kids. Well, know. your mileage may vary. Check right. check your local parent for for uh, for advice. But um, I've had my friends like you and other people tell me about it, and everyone's like, "Oh, I don't want to spoil it for you." I, I will get around to watching it eventually. Um, I watch less and less TV the older I get, and I don't know why. But anyway, um, I want to see it, and I know enough about it to speak semi intelligently. 
I, think- I mean, I've also seen shows like uh, The Last Starfighter, which I knew was a high school kid. Um, there was one, there was a Disney show about a young kid who was picked up by an alien uh, spaceship and went back and forth in time. I remember seeing that. Um, Escape, right. from Witch, Escape from Witch Mountain. I was going to say, have you watched the Escape from Witch Mountain and Return to Witch Mountain? I've not seen Return to Witch Mountain, no. Yeah, those are classics. They don't even list them in the books. Huh, interesting. Which is, yeah, I think it's just the sign of the times. I think we're getting we're old. old. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I also remember, um, so anyway, there were a lot of different movies where kids were the focus having adventures and crazy things happening into uh into them i think anyway lots of them i could i could sit down and sum up other ones that i've seen over the years but anyway okay that's where i'm at okay no that's good and i think that if you feel as though you would like to play in those world as player characters that's a lot of the inspiration that both these games come from and so just to kind of give a brief really 100-foot view quickly before we get into a lot of the nuances. I'll just say this. So Kids on Bikes is comes in like a 6 by 9 format as far as book goes. It's about 80 pages on the soft cover. There's 156 pages in the hard cover, which includes some sample modules, which I don't have access to because I have the soft cover. Thanks, Kev Thulu. Um, the game is by John Gilmore and Doug Lewandowski. And then is also put out and published by Renegade Game Studios and Hunters Entertainment. And then it was also kickstarted in 2018. Um, in contrast, that Tales from the Loop is an eight and a half by eleven um, hardcover with index. I don't think you can get it soft cover. Um, 191 pages. It is released by Free League and Modifius. The unique thing about Tales from the Loop is that it is inspired by the creator of the Loop universe, which is Simon Stalenhag. Now, I may be butchering Simon's last name because he's Swedish. Okay. So there, he's an artist and he depicts 1980s Swedish suburbia, which is populated by fantastic machines and, and strange beasts. Okay. All right. So if you if you Google him, um, you will see some of his art and you will kind of, it'll click. The biggest kind of impact is the cover of Tales from the Loop, which is four kids kind of looking at four or three kind of towers um, that really capture a bit of what he. It's a super evocative cover. If you have not seen it, you look at that and go, wow, that looks interesting. And then I kind of read it and I'm like, eh. Yeah. But anyway, the, the cover is very evocative. It was kickstarted. Um, it's a very Swedish based and then uh, copyright 2017 versus kids on bikes, which I think is copyright. I actually didn't look at the copyright for let me double check on kids on bikes, kids on bikes, copyright. Well, 2018. So a little about a few months difference. Uh, kids on bikes. If you read the back, you, this is what it says. You'll take on the roles of everyday people grappling with strange, terrifying, and very, very popular forces they that they cannot defeat, control, or even fully understand. The only way to face them is to work together, use your strengths, and know when you just have to run as fast as you can. Okay. Okay. Tales from the Loop is, first of all, based on the Year Zero game engine. Are you familiar with that one, Brett? No idea. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. So that one is... Was any nominated 
2015, I actually won an award, Silver Any, for Best Rules at Gen Con 2015. And we'll go into the rule set, but it's it's D6 based. And what they tout is it's role-playing in the 80s that never was. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, and we'll get into just briefly with the difference between the two setting-wise. But essentially what it reads with the Tales from Loop is, the landscape was full of machines and scrap metal connected to the facility in one way or another. Always present on the horizon were the colossal cooling towers with their green obstruction lights. If you put your ear to the ground, you could hear the heartbeat of the loop, the purring of the Gravitron, the central piece of engineering magic that was the focus of the loop's experiments. In this role-playing game, you'll play teenagers solving mysteries connected to the loop. The game rules are based on Mutant Zero, which is awarded with a silver any for best rules at Gen so, te- so teenagers, when I think kids, I don't think teenagers. When I think kids, I think 12 and under or preteen is when I think kids. So Tales from Loop is a, is more teenagers. It is. Okay. Yes. As a matter of fact, that's a good point, Brett. In um, Kids on Bikes, you can actually play an adult. Okay. Where Tales from the Loop, you are playing ages 12 to 15. Okay. okay. So Kids on Bikes with adults with it reminds me almost more of the <clears throat> Buffy the Vampire Va- Buffy the Vampire Slayer TV series where you've got your um your grown-ups plus the high school kids kind of mishmashed together. Okay. Yes. And the other one reminds me more of a Scooby Gang, like literally Scooby Dooish where they're all teenagers or older in a world that never was. Okay, cool, interesting. And I should say like with Tales from the Loop saying role-playing in the 80s that never was. Mm-hmm. It truly is taking place in the 80s. Oh, so you've got you know all the 80s hair metal and everything else that's going on. Right. Daglo color pants and all that shit. Something Brett and I can relate to <laughs> pretty well. So, right, that's not a time in history that I have fond memories of. So maybe that, that could be another thing that throws me off on a personal level is I do not. I am not nostalgic for the 80s in that I'm not overly nostalgic for it. There's certain TV shows like, oh, like I saw... What Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon, which is a terribly 80s movie. Show enough. Show enough. The Shogun of Harlem. Yeah. It's on Netflix. I watched it. They're like, oh my God, this is so bad. (laughs) I just giggle on it when I'm watching it. But I am not overly nostalgic for that time period. It doesn't like, oh yeah, that was I really want to play in that piece of history. And I think and I think you're right, Brett. I think there's gonna be people that just don't grok it and that's not their thing, and that's totally fine. So that's Tales from the Loop. What about Kids on Bikes? Is that a historical setting or is that a more modern setting? Where's that one fall in? Yeah. So from for, for Kids on Bikes, it can take a place in any era. Pr- pretty much like 70s, 80s, 90s would be ideal. Okay. But it is not locked into a specific decade like Tales from the Loop. Okay. I mean, that's by default. Now- with everything that we're going to talk about, everybody could say, well, you could do this or you could do that. Yes, you could. Certainly with any RPG, you could tweak and modify. But as default, Kids on Bikes is open. I mean, so if we have people that are a little bit younger than Brett and I, they may opt to run it in the 90s. Yes. Or, they, or could say, hey, I'd like to play, you know, back of hippies back in the 60s or 70s or something. You could pull that off. Okay. 
Yeah, in Tales from the Loop, you could potentially do that as well, but it does lean heavier on being well, it, set in the 80s. I was going to say, if it's set in the 80s, my assumption is there's 80s tropes, music, pop culture references, all of that stuff baked into that game. Even the tech and the the weirdness, whatever it is, is going to have an 80s bias. Am I correct in that? Somewhat. So they're in the book of Tales from the Loop, there are actually like top 10 RPGs during this oh, wow. okay. time. Top 10, like the top MTV videos, top or most popular music uh, singles. So it is very 80s based where kids on bikes, obviously being a little smaller, isn't going to have some of those flavorful pieces in the in the uh, margins. So you talk about smaller. So are we talking, not only, I, I believe the physical form factor for kids on bikes is the smaller, in, quote unquote, indie press size that we often see, is, and Tales from the Loop is the more traditional D&D sized book. Am I correct? Yes, that's accurate, Brett. Yep. Is the kids on bikes drastically cheaper because of its size and smaller page count? Darn it. You know, it's probably, oh yeah, as a matter of fact, well- Potentially. So Kids on Bikes, MSRP on the back of the book's 25 bucks. Okay. Um, if you get Tales from the Loop, which I think ships from overseas, if I'm not mistaken, is a little bit more. Well, on Amazon.com right now, it's 42 bucks. Yeah, there you go. At least, at least as I'm looking here, just breezing through a Google, a quick Google search for a cost. Okay. And the thing is, is if with, I mean, even getting into the nuances of the book, if you get Tales from the Loop, at least the hardback version that I have, it is very light, even though it's, it's relatively thick. Like I'm showing Brett. Oh, though that, that's a, that looks like a uh, 5e player's handbook size or a little bit bigger. Yeah. A little bit bigger than a player's handbook size um, book, but it's light because the paper that they use is color, um, but it's a very light type of paper. Okay. Right, it's got it's very matte. It's not glossy, which probably trims down the weight quite a bit. So the kids on bikes. So what is kids on bikes? What's its mechanic? What what system is it geared on? Well, okay. So I figured what we would do. We going, already told me what the other one was. Yeah. Well, briefly, but what okay. I would instead of going into the mechanics right away, it starts out a little bit different in kids on bikes, where you actually sit and be. You world build first. Oh, okay. So be when you sit down with kids on bikes, you have to determine the era, right? Are you in the 80s, 90s? And there are quite a Is bit that more. Is that done? That's a group thing? The table sits down, the table does this together, yes? Yes. Yep. Kind of Dresden Files E, if I recall that game correctly. You will find more collaborative back and forth with everybody at the table, more so in Kids on Bikes than you will Tales from the Loop. So Tales from Loop has a more, I hate to say traditional, older school, but it has a more more traditional, I don't know any other phrase to say, but more traditional, this is how this works. Yeah. Like a D&D setup. Well, the setting's kind of set. I'm just saying the setting's yep. set, and like you don't have to worry about building that or whatever. Here's the setting. Here's the rules that go with it. You're saying my character's off your run. Yep. Okay. Exactly. Now, there are some similarities. As a matter of fact, the thing that I like about both of them, if I could take both of these and smash them together, they would be great. And I think you can do that, and you'll be able to kind of pick and choose what elements from one that you would use in the other. So with Kids on Bikes, 
era is what you would also would determine. And then you would ask eight questions about the town, okay? Because the town is the centerpiece of where you are and the environment and the setting, okay? So there's eight questions that you would ask the players. And you would typically ask, you know, each player as you go around one question, and they would all be able to fill in those blanks, okay? Okay. Um, it should be, as a rule, short in distance. So if you should be in a town where kids should be able to ride their bikes from one end of town to the to the other. So if you pick New York City, a little on the big side. Correct. Small town, suburbia. Got it. really kind of the deal. And then what happens is at the end of that world building, there is a question where you each player produces a rumor about the town. So as you're building this, you can kind of, as a game master, listen to some of these things and start to produce your adventure, for lack of better words, as things start to take shape. Okay. All right. Now, I heard there are modules for uh, kids on bikes or adventures that are built for kids on bikes, but it really facilitates a okay, let's ask a bunch of questions and then the game master absorbs all that and then eventually will implement some of those pieces that the players bring forward. All right. Okay. Um, With kids on bikes, there is a hope that you play multiple sessions, but it doesn't have to be. All right. All right. So now going into contrast to that, Tales from the Loop. Mm Mm-hmm. Takes place in the 80s. Yes. That never was. In Tales from Loop, in the game book itself, it talks quite a bit about the age of the loop, what the loop is. There are also two kind of sides of the book setting-wise. There's one where the loop takes place in Sweden. Okay. And then there is a alternative mirror which takes place in Boulder... I think Boulder City, Denver, uh, Boulder City, Colorado. Okay. What's interesting is that when you you mentioned it, I mean, kids on bikes is make your own. Tales from Loop is not only set in from a time perspective the '80s, but it's also set in the the Loop, and that is a piece of setting which shows kind of like, hey, you're playing D and D, and it's in Avalon. So okay, therefore I need to know this stuff because otherwise you won't get that setting. Whereas if you're playing kids on bikes, like, hey, look, let's play in the you know, the 90s when we were in college in Madison. We, yeah, we all grew up there. We all know what that is. We're in. There's a level of um, you can you can pick a time frame or a location that that you get. Okay. No, I got it. All right. Cool. Cool. Yeah, you're picking up the town. You're talking about, well, I'm going to – the rumor is the Elks Club is a front for this. And, and you're literally in Tales – or I'm sorry, Kids on Bikes creating it as you go. Fair enough. Tales from Loop, very much more rich uh, from a pre-published perspective. So there is the Swedish side, and then there is the um, the American side, which Matt Forbeck actually That's right, yes. was involved with. Well, the cool thing about a rich environment like that is that from uh, it's a reference manual now. You can look it up, and you have an answer that you can build off of. Some people enjoy that a lot. Um, they like a little more structure to the setting or whatever the case is. And this is a more structured setting where you can reference through the book and say almost – I don't want to say gazetteer like because I haven't seen the book itself. But you have the opportunity to say what's over here, what's here, and all that stuff. You're not 
making it up or building it as a team. It's already a thing that's there. Okay, no, that there's yeah, I can see there definitely being an upside for some folks and some real value in that. That's cool. Yeah, there's literally a timeline that's in Tales from the Loop that you can see and and view. Um, going into that, there's civilian technology, there's military technology, and then it has a Swedish uh, and U.S. version, which I mentioned. And then there are uh, that you can read about some some more in detail. There's some hovercraft that takes place. So there are, you know, it isn't uh, what is the cellular dynamics, Brett? Is that the robots that keep you awake every night? Is that who? So, is that is that the who's the robot maker? Oh, you talking Cyberdyne? No, no, no. That real life. Oh, like, that. Yeah. Oh, the, the ones that like sh- that, that explode and drive big. <laughs> Yeah, the ones that like are walking like real dogs. Oh yeah, that, and that crap I can't stand. Yeah, yeah. I hate. I fucking hate robots, man. But what is the name of the company? I don't remember. I don't even pay attention to the names. I just try to burn them when I find them. But though that technology exists in Tales from Loop, so it's kind of this '80s that has this advanced technology, but hasn't gone so much further. So there is like hovercraft that uses the magnetic type. I can't remember. There's an actual outline and a diagram in the book and so everything. it's got magnetic propulsion. People have actual Correct. robots. Yeah. So that's kind of the thing that's produced by the technology of the loop and the government and everything. Okay. And, and the loop is literally a, a hydron collider. Okay. So I think, I think this is actually really, this is really important because if you had a feeling that tales from a loop, well, it's, oh, it's just like kids on bikes, but a cost difference or a slightly or a mechanics perspective, it is not. What you're telling me here is that it is a, dra- in my opinion, a drastically different setting. Well, and uh, in, in, in the little, in, I guess the nuances is if when you run kids on bikes, you can implement some of your own mysteries and horrors and they can be just what they are, where Tales from the Loop Tales from the Loop is overtly putting robots and and Helleron colliders and um, and hover cars and so forth. That's in there. That's canon. Correct. Where if I want that with kids on bikes, you and I could inject it into it, but it is not canon. Where that's, you pick this up, this is how it works. That's correct. And uh, Brett's exactly right. And with things about the loop, it is some of the weirdness that you may interact you tend to try to kind of connect it with the loop and the and the facility and the people that may be scientists there. So okay. a lot of it, I mean, you could, again, you could implement that into kids on bikes, right? There's a facility not far down the road that does weird things. Where Tales from the Loop, that's kind of the, that's where the weirdness is somewhat tied to, okay? My buddy uh, Lenny had a game that was very similar to this. He used the uh, the New World of Darkness rule set, and we set it in my hometown. We're all playing kids in the hometown. It was okay. I mean, it was fun because I like playing games with my friends, but from the kid's perspective, I did not enjoy it as much. But it, okay, this is it, this makes sense. He The way he was running it was a much more kids-on-bike scenario than the other way around. There was weirdness, of course, and so forth because of the World of Darkness twist to it, but it was not as overt as um, The Loop. Okay. Like It. Yeah. The movie It. Mm-hmm. Kids on Bikes. Got it. Stranger Things does have a facility involved. But still Kids on Bikes. It is, but it's more probably Tales from the Loop because it's derived from maybe that facility a little bit more. So, you, But 
You, I think we're splitting hairs. Yeah, I, I haven't seen the show, so I'm arguing about a thing I have no ground to stand on. So got it. Okay. So there are six principles in Tales from the Loop, which are called Principles of the Loop. And this will make sense. And you can actually carry this over two kids on bikes. One is your hometown is full of strange and fantastic things. Two, yeah, right. Every Everyday life is dull and unforgiving. Yes. So, Brett, does this apply to some of your childhood? Number this three. This applies to today. Right. <laughs> Number three, adults are out of reach and out of touch. Yes, I am. <laughs> Number four, uh, the land of the loop is dangerous, but kids will not die. Okay. Okay. Uh, and number five, the game is played scene by scene. And then number six, the world is described collaboratively. Now with kids on bikes and tales from the loop and tales from the loop, it's explicit that the kids won't die. Kids on bikes, you can die. I like that better already. Okay. Right. Which I, I knew you would, Brett dead babies i mean it's just one step it's just one step past the babies i mean yeah if if you're lucky enough to live through the baby then you get to be a you know yeah no i get it i'm gonna that's good blood of the innocent i'm all about it all right so the the setting in tales from loop takes place in boulder city colorado and and or uh islands sweden so most folks in the i mean on the u.s version would probably take i mean literally man in the book there's like certain names for characters, there's the Swedish version and then there's the U.S. version. Okay. There's quite a bit of Swedish influence for sure in the book. So you want to talk about mechanics yet? What's, what, is it, what, are these, what are these using? One of them uses this multi-D6 thing. What does the other one use? So Kids on Bikes runs on a difficulty level. That is 1 through 20. So it so, does not – it's not a – Powered by the apocalypse, it's not. No, nope. it's its own thing. It's its own. Both are. It's well, obviously, Modifius is on based on mutant year zero. Okay, but with kids on bikes, it's its own thing. However, it is almost like a hodgepodge of Savage Worlds and regular kind of D twenty ish. And I'll explain. So, with kids on bikes, a game master will set a difficulty level one through twenty. Okay, and. With kids on bikes, the you roll uh, your stat die, and your stat die is a die type. D20, okay. yep. D4, D12, D6, D8. Standard dice, okay. Yep. So in Savage Worlds, it's always target number four if you're shooting missile. Okay, and you roll a die type, and if you hit a four or better, you you succeed. So with so the difference is there's die types in that in both games, Savage Worlds and Kids on Bikes. The only difference is the target number changes. Where in Savage Worlds, it's either um, four for missile or whatever it is. I think the, I forgot the other is for melee, and then the difficulty side of Kids on Bikes is one through twenty for difficulty level. So okay. Brett says you have a difficulty level of 12 and you have a and you're running you're rolling charm and your charm is a d4 you're going to be struggling. Okay. Right cuz you're just it's going to be very hard to make a d4 get to 10. 
So is the purpose of these, I mean, the, the core, act, what's the core activity, right, of each of these games? Are you fighting the loop and its creations and its owners? Are in kids on bikes, do you just make it up as to what the thing is that you're going up against? So kids on bikes, it's all about the mystery. Okay. Okay. That's that's the component as you're looking into the mystery. With Tales from the Loop, it's trouble and getting into trouble. Okay. All right. So it's usually there's a mystery. There's um, with Tales from the Loop, it's very scene based. Who wants to make a scene? Brett says, "I want to make a scene." Okay, Brett, what's the scene? Well, I'm sitting at home and I or I'm riding my bike with another player, and you're going by. The you know the uh, old man withers and I throw a rock at his mailbox. Old man withers the the house like and that may be like the rumor right. So old man withers. Okay, there's a rumor where he is an evil warlock. Okay, and you set the scene where you guys go in there and you want to investigate old man withers's house. Okay, see I hear that I. What you're saying, and my first thought is, I'm like, oh, I should pick up. Bu- if I wanted to do this, I'd I'd use Bubble Gumshoe because I like sure. the gumshoe, I like the Gumshoe system. That's sure. another teenage game, but with the Gumshoe system, right? Yeah, okay. this could be Tales from Loop, Kids on Bikes, and Bubble Gumshoe. Yeah, sure. and Bubble Gumshoe just so folks know that's Evil Hat, and um, I think that that one is I'm looking at it on Amazon right now. It's like 25 bucks. Yeah, based on Gumshoe. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Really, Scooby Doo. Yeah, very much. Yep. Yeah. Nancy okay. Drew, Hardy Boys. So which one which one of these do you like which one of these do you like the most between the two? I mean, if you if I said, "Hey, I want to play one of those, you pick." Which one are, are you gravitating towards? Well, you know, that's a good question because I do like the world building of Kids on Bikes. So you ask to kind of you know, ask those eight questions. It comes to fruition. It relies heavily on the player interactions um, where Tales from Loop is kind of established. Um, typically, there's something derived from the loop that's that's strange and weird um, where you would probably want to, as a game master, have to come up with that on the kids on bike side where you would want to listen to what they're providing and then running with what they're providing. Okay. Where Tales from the Loop is, I mean, you couldn't, I mean, there's four adventures, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, in this book that comes with the hardback. So you already have some mysteries, is what they call them, that you can put into place. They also have a hardback book that also comes with some mysteries that you can run as a campaign. Okay. But um, Kids on Bikes is more because you're building it together, a little bit different. Okay, I get, I get you, I get you. So going to character generation, which is pretty important between the two, there's some very similar overlap. So both uses a, you know, Kids on Bikes uses tropes, um, and then Tales from the Loop uses types. So one could say they're archetypes, tropes. Those are like brilliant athlete, brutish jock, bully. Okay, so that's Kids on Bikes, and there's 16 of them. Okay, oh, wow. Remember. Okay. So there's also ch- kids or children, teenagers, and adults. And kids on bikes. That's right. Okay. And kids on bikes. 
Tales from the Loop, again, it's always based on age 10 to 15. Literally, when you hit your 16th birthday, you retire that character in Tales from the Loop. Oh, wow. Okay. At 16, you retire them. That's interesting. Yep. Because you're no longer a kid. With uh, kids on bikes, stats are die type, which I mentioned, D4 to D20. And it's brains, brawn, fight, flight, charm, and grit. And if you notice, there are one, two, three, four, five, six stats Okay. on kids on bike. And there are typically six die types in a standard RPG. With Tales from the Loop, you distribute points to uh, distribute. You distribute points which equals the same age across four attributes: body, tech, heart, and mind. Okay. So, so I'll back that up a little bit. So if you are ten years old, you get ten points to distribute across body, tech, heart, and mind. So you're going to say, Sean. If I'm older, I'm 15, then I get more points to distribute. And I said, yes, you're right, Brett. But as soon as you're 16, you're done. No. What happens is there's luck points in Tales from the Loop. Okay. Luck points is equal to 15 minus your age. Oh, okay. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, a little less lucky than the kid next to you. There you be. Okay. Little kids are much luckier. They get out of weird. They get out of weird situations better, quicker, faster. Yeah, this is true. I've I've got little kids. Yeah, I see this. Yes. So when you're 15 and you and you're in this game, 15 minus 15, you get no luck points. If you're 10, you get five luck points. Hmm. All right. So your the the mentality behind it is your attributes are lower. When you're younger, but you have more luck. Where when you're older, you're wiser, smarter, you've been around, you don't you don't have as much luck. So it's very interesting that mechanic. I thought that was pretty kind of cool, actually, how it balances out. Okay. Um and then we'll go into the age on kids on bikes. So some tropes, right? When you use a trope, so say you're I don't remember which one, there's a couple in there. You can actually pick between adult and teen or teen and child. Maybe you're a blue-collar worker. You could be an adult or a teen and be a blue-collar worker. Okay? Yeah. Agreed. So depending on the trope and the age, it determines the, the free strengths and the modifiers that you get. So adults automatically get strength as a modifier. Um and plus one to grit and brains. So it just tries to balance it out. It does, right? Yes. So your adults are going to have high in some and low in others, and your teenagers high in some, low in others, and so on down the line. Right. So the adults are going to be more adulty. Oh, there you go. Right. Okay. Interesting. So I get that. Mechanics make sense mostly, just what we're talking about here. It's not like ungrockable settings. I would say I would say with Tales from the Loop, the player character creation is more in depth than Kids on Bikes. Okay, there's a few more steps. So my question of which one are you drawn to? Which one do you want? If I said, "Hey, I want to play one," we're gonna play one. Which one? Which one would you say it's this one? I'm gonna play both. 
first? Gonna, Which are you playing first? I'm gonna run Kids on Bikes first. Why are you playing that one first? Because the Lovecraft man wants to play Kids on Bikes. Ah, okay. Yeah. So you're you are split fifty fifty enough that you're like, look, I, I, well, I guess here's the here's the other piece. You have not run either one yet, have you? I have not. So, and if you're like, wow, I really like this part. I really like this other thing. And you feel pretty evenly balanced. You got to run them both to see which one you like better. No, I get that. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I think each one has its strengths for sure. And I think it's all determined on, I think with Tales from the Loop, well, both offer extended play, right? Mm -hmm. Past session one. I do think with Tales from the Loop, there is more a traditional, like, here's a module, here's an adventure, here's some of the things that go into play, where kids on bikes are very um, organic. Okay. Right? From its origins and roots, where Tales from the Loop, again, a lot of very uh, set boundaries. Not very, I shouldn't say that's strong, but boundaries are in place when dealing with Tales from the Loop. So what makes you want to play these games? Um, you know, I, I don't was know. Your, was your childhood that damn boring, Sean? No, I'm no I think my childhood rocked. Okay. I really cool. do. I mean, we had, so some of the things that I experienced when I was a kid, Brett, I mean, we had the cop club. Did you have a cop club, Brett? No idea what that is. So Jeff and Arnold and a few other of us guys, when we were kids, had the cop club and my buddy Jeff, we, in his basement, you know, we had our bikes, yeah. we'd make badges We'd take pictures. We'd take our pictures, put them on the badge. Oh, okay. So laminate cool. them. Oh, all right. And then if people were breaking the law on their bikes, we'd pull them over. And then if they started getting lippy, we'd we'd grab them and handcuff them, and we'd haul them into the cop club. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, man. And then we we held them on trial. What the? F- kind of and weird. If, and, ass if they were, and if they were guilty, up, did you have? And if they were guilty, we we put them on trial, and we'd let them out on bond and probation, and. Cop club, man. And you could gain rank in the cop club. Wow. So you yeah. were like a little neighborhood mafia. Kind of. Dressed up as policemen. We had tree forts. We had forts. We had crab apple fights. We yeah. had tree forts. When we had a tree fort, Brett. <laughs> so we'd so have, you we love had, this had, enough that you want to relive this in an RPG <laughs> is what you're telling me. What what are the what what mechanics will allow you to have the crab apple fight between tree forts? Dude, it's it's it, you can do that. You can do uh, player versus player in some of these, um, you know, they're con- contests. So you throw in the rules and whoever comes out on top. Is there, I'm win. telling my mom on you mechanic or my dad can beat up your dad mechanic. Well, I think it depends on, I mean, I'm sure there is a component of that. Like if you wanted to create a scene where it's like, Hey, so one of the things I should mention in tales from the loop, there is something called an anchor. Okay. And a hideout. Okay, so when you when you start to take damage, you mark off conditions. When you mark off conditions, your um, when you roll, you get negatives to your roll. So each condition is a negative one on your roll. Entails from the loop. So if you're if you are hurt, um, actually, what are the conditions? Let me double check and see what they are first. Uh, bear with me as I kind of search through my notes. Um, conditions, upset, scared, exhausted, injured, and they're all cumulative. So when you want to, so if you are either upset or you want to push a roll, you can actually say, Hey, I'm going to 
push a roll. Take some damage. Which re, which allows you to retry your task. You can, yes, you can actually say, okay, I'm gonna, I'm I'm upset, but I'm gonna bear through it. You can re-roll, but you're at a minus one. And they're cumulative. So what I'm trying to say is once you have those conditions mounted, how do you remove them? So you like the simulation aspect of these games. Well. I mean, what you're telling me right now is, hey, look, oh, it, it has this really cool thing. You can be upset. Yep. In most role-playing games, I could give a fuck if your character's upset. I want to know if he's dead. Right. Right. I don't care if he's upset. So the simulation aspects of these games of how the kids basically ha- making sure that there are mechanics in place to simulate how kids would be. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, yes. Yeah. I mean, I, you're playing I still kids. Have, I still have no idea why you want to do that. <laughs> it doesn't. It. I. It sounds like it would be fun for for a certain game. You're obviously bad. You, you're telling me. I hear. I hear you. You sound passionate. You're gonna have a damn good time with it. I have still no interest in this. Yeah. Well. So with the, I didn't get to the anchor of the hideout piece in Tales from the Loop. So when you have an anchor, it's usually an adult that you are connected to. It could be a parent, could be relative, could be a teacher. Okay. And if you spend time with that teacher, it removes those conditions. Yeah. I mean, Gumshoe has sources of stability and so forth. Okay. Yeah. So it may be similar to that. Um, So it'll remove those conditions but if you're if you're broken, right? So if you've accumulated those four conditions plus you're broken, then you're doing automatic failures and then you're mentally or physically hurt. Okay. So maybe you're lied up in the hospital. Um yeah. But so we didn't even get into the mechanics. People are like, "Well, how do you how do you do anything? Like what's what is the deal?" So if Sean says, "Hey, give me a roll. What does that mean?" So in Tales from the Loop, there are three difficulty levels. There's difficult, extremely difficult, and almost impossible. And it really is any roll, it's all D6. And any six on a roll is a success. So if it's a normal difficulty, you only need one success. If it's an extreme difficult, you only need two successes. And then if it's almost impossible, you need three successes. So it's a die pool. You build it based on your stats. Um, your attributes and your skills. Should I should misquote that, or I should requote that? It's based on your attributes and skills. So you add those, and if somebody's going to help you, they can add a die to that. You roll your dice. Any six is a success. If it's a success, you and the game master narrate the outcome. If it's, cool. a, fail, if it's a failure, well, the game master narrates it. Got it. Okay, there's some other nuances. With kids on bikes, again, there's a difficulty level 1 to 20. You roll stat die, your stat die, and then you would add, if you if your stat die explodes, so let's say your stat die is a D12, and your difficulty is a 15, and you roll a 12, it explodes, you roll the D12 again, and you add it to the number, the previous result and say you roll four, you add your four and your 12, it's a 16. Okay. You got it. You can't keep exploding. You only blow up once. Well, it blows up until you succeed. Okay. So 
Did you just you watch Stranger Things and thought these games sounded cool? I do. I think these games are cool, man. I think that I, I want to. I seriously want to know why because I cannot understand why this is cool. Well, it depends on what your childhood was like. Well, maybe not. Maybe it doesn't depend on your childhood. But no, I it think just, it, it just playing playing children in that space. It doesn't interest me. Bubble Gumshoe is like, oh, that's interesting, but I'm I'm not drawn to it in any way. Yeah, I think there is a inherent. When it goes back to the principles of the loop, which is not outlined in Kids on Bikes, I think it makes for an interesting dynamic. So when you say, like, adults are clueless, you know, they're not, they're, they're out of reach, out of touch. So, and everything is big and grand. It's, like everybody, it's like everybody in the Matrix except for Neo and, and his friends. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean- and nobody believes you yeah. as a kid, right? You come across these things. Nobody believes you. You go you and investigate. I have no desire to be that angry and frustrated again. Well, you don't have, no? That, I, <laughs> I'm a kid. I'm telling you I saw a goblin. No, no, you didn't. You're just a stupid kid. Yeah, All but right. you take it upon yourself to investigate. Yes, but I have no help, and I get in trouble, and I get grounded, and that does not sound like any fun at all. But you have an inherent curiosity. Did you get in trouble as a kid, Brett? Oh, fuck yeah. Why? Because you break rules, you get in trouble. Well, why'd you break rules? Because you're a kid, and that's what kids do. I know, but what is the what, what is what did, what did you get in trouble for breaking the rule? What was a rule you broke, Brett? What? It doesn't... It doesn't... Why would you want to keep doing that, I guess? So, I'm playing a kid who... Yep. My friend was eaten by goblins. No, he wasn't. Yes, he was. That's where Timmy went. No, he wasn't. So me, Brad, at some point is like, fine, I'll just I fucking stab my parent or something. I need to get out there. I can't just, what What do you want me to do? Just sit here and get yelled at by my parents for, for this whole scene. This sounds lovely. Well, maybe and, you were late, right? Yeah. And then when you say that your kid got, your your friend got eaten by goblins, they don't believe you. Okay. So now Brad is very frustrated because my character has knowledge that nobody wants to believe and I'm stuck. Well, somebody may believe you. Okay. Maybe it's not your parents. Maybe it's your aunt. Yeah, it doesn't. Man, that doesn't interest me. I don't mind watching the shows like Invader Zim of all things. I love Invader Zim. There's Dib. He's this character. Invader Zim is a cartoon that was on Nickelodeon years and years ago. Invader Zim and his stupid little robot Gurr are trying to take over Earth or figure out how to invade it. And Dib is the one guy who knows what Zim is, and nobody believes him. It's funny to watch, to watch him have complete and utter emotional meltdowns because people won't believe him. He sees Bigfoot. Nobody believes that either. doesn't matter what he sees or what he does. Nothing works out, and it's this eternal trial and tribulation that just doesn't sound fun to me. And maybe that's not what, what I, I would have to play the game to see if that's really how it felt. But when I think about a game like this, that's what comes to my mind. I'm like, that that was was not fun, and I don't see why it would be fun to simulate that in any way. Okay, that's just me. <laughs> that's fair. There's some, probably there's probably some people that don't like D and D. Oh, totally. There's absolutely people that fucking hate it. That's totally fine. I guess I'm just it's it's cool that you like it so much and the concepts behind it. I think that's really neat. Well, it I makes think, me like, hey, if you were going to run it, yeah, sure. If you're into it this much, I would play it with you, right? Like, if I had time and I'm like, hey, we're going to play a game, but I really want to run kids a bike. Fuck yeah, you're into it, dude. I will play. It there might is, not be something that I'm like, yeah, I really. There is a sense of naivete 
with with both games. Okay. Right? There there is a so we we talk about this Brett about well, you know, when you sit down at a table with your Yahoo crew, are you talking about you, the the sense of wonder? Yep. That comes in. Okay. Yep. So if you sit down with your crew and you talk about you know, these little things with sharp teeth and crappy weapons and they smell like shit and they they start jumping around and laughing and it's all kind of hilarious and they say, oh, that's a goblin. Or they come across the creature that's all kind of slimy and you chop off an arm and it starts to grow back and they go, oh, that's a goblin. With these games, there is a sense of wonderment and and more of an, an innocence taken back to childhood where adulthood hasn't beaten down these player characters yet. But yet you... But I as can an, watch the slow deconstruction of this child. Right. <laughs> as the world destroys his and her spirit and breaks them into an adult. As as they get older, absolutely, man. That sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. But I think that's the component. I mean, if you haven't watched Stranger Things and you don't find anything appealing to it... No, I, I mean, I, you know, I get it. it it's... The concept behind Stranger Things is appealing. The concept behind Stranger Things, the role-playing game, is not to me. But okay. I can, I can definitely see why people like it. Your passion behind it, and as much as you have talked about it before, and, and even again now in more, much more detail, I get it. I get that people like it. It just doesn't feel like anything I would enjoy. I would try it, and I would put my heart into it, and I would give it a really solid go and do my damnedest not to be a grumpy old curmudgeon about it, but I would try I would try to have a good time with that game because if my friends are playing it, I'll I'll give it a shot. Yeah. Just like Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> I had fun playing Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. You'd still think I didn't have fun just because it was stuck on the ship. Well on purpose. I th- I think there was some some I, I think you you took it upon yourself to give it the good old Brett try. I tried. Yeah. Yeah. No nobody's arguing that. I helped to invent space Google. Come on now. Oh, that's true. Yeah, Space Google. That's right. No, Between me and Jim. On the uh the hollow um hollow net. Yeah. On the on the space web. Yeah. Yeah, space web. See, Brett doesn't even know any of the terms. No, of course not. At least in these games you would. That's true. Right? You would know like, well, guess what? When you call somebody to do something or when you want to do something with your friend, there's two options, right, Brett? Yeah. What are those options? You want to go and play with your friend, what would it be? Like now or when I was like a back kid? in the eighties, man. Back in the eighties, I don't know. We'd go outside and just play outside, play army or something. You just play, yeah. or you would uh, throw a ball around or something. You'd have to call them on the phone, or walk down there, ride my bike, or down. walk down there, and knock on the door. Yeah, ride my bike down there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can't email them or text them. <clears throat> no, no. Send it on an Instagram. You found out through trial and error when so and so's family had dinner. Yeah, because <laughs> if you showed up and knocked the door at dinner, it was dinner time. The adult who answered the door would glare at you, and he went back. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. Play outside. What time's dinner? Six o'clock? Get home before it's dark? Yeah. Or well, I'd wait, if- wait for my dad to whistle for me, because he had a really loud whistle. You could hear him. He whistled for you? Yeah, I could hear him about a mile away. That's about how far I could get. Yeah. I, I have no reason I'd want to play that role-playing game mixed with um, Gremlins. Like the 80s movie Gremlins. Right. That's another one. <laughs> Gremlins. Huh. 
Yeah. So that's most of the the game as as you know the kids and bikes we mentioned like the difficulty level and then there is like a level of failure or success when you go against somebody. So depending on your degree of failure or success, there's a narration component of it like it goes this way or that way and how much so. So those are two of the games if you find Stranger Things and the Goonies something appealing as far as a role-playing game, then these are right up your alley. I don't, I'm sure there's other ones that are out there. I just don't know. Well, Bubble Gum Shoe, I mentioned oh, Bubble that Gum one. Shoe, yeah. Yep. But you play Bubble Gum Shoe. Would I? Yeah. No, not really. I no, mean. Not your thing. If someone said, hey, you want to run it? I'm like, I, I guess. You know, like, not that interesting to me. But again, if, I mean, Angela Murray runs Bubble Gum Shoe. She had a hell of a good time at cons doing it. And if she was going to say, hey, Brad, I got an opening. You want to sit down and play? I'll give it a try. I think she's run both of these, actually. I'm pretty sure she has. And if you said, hey, I'm going to run Kids on Bikes and I got an opening, Brad. You want to sit down and play? I'd be like, I got time. I'm in. I'll give her a go. Have a good time. Get a good crew and game and have have fun. I've played plenty of games that I've been done with. Wow. I don't like that game. I love gaming. I love being with my friends. That's right. Or making new friends. So it'd be fun. And I am... More than happy to play a game I don't thoroughly enjoy and have a good time doing it, knowing that, hey, when this is done, they'll probably let me play a game I want to play. Right. So it's not like I'd be like, oh, you're playing that game? Fuck off. I quit. You know, I'm not going to do that. But see, Unless you I no, really, really don't like it. But you have no ambition to play Monster Arts or anything. You, you have no ambition to play anything teenage years. No, that just doesn't interest me. Yeah. But no. that's fine. No, no, I hear about Monster Hearts games because, like, Kev, Kev runs them, and he has a really good time with them, and I've talked to people, played with him. It's, oh, it's really good, and we had so much fun. I'm like, that's, I'm glad you had fun. Dude, it's so there's so many weird, like, The Breakfast Club, and there's some of those teenage 16 Candles and some of those movies that are just teenage coming-of-age stuff that it's just, you know, they're – I mean, I look at some of the folks, I mean, I don't, I am not a father, right? So I don't have any kids, but Brett, some of the stuff is a father that you should, you could bring to the table would be just hilarious. Like the kid that puts a bucket on his head and runs around the freaking kitchen and bumps into everything. Like kids do that stuff and it's hilarious. Oh, kids are weird. Yeah. They do crazy ass shit. Right. They do crazy ass shit as teenagers too. Oh yeah. I know. Right. <laughs> I've, seen right? It. I've seen it firsthand a number That's- of times now. Right, exactly, and I think some of those are. It's almost like the innocence behind it. And if I was gonna, if I was gonna do this, I would almost say like, you guys all want to play this. Okay, if you're really in it, I'll run it. I think I would have an easier time running one of these games than I would have playing them. I think from a player's perspective, I would lose my mind <laughs> it, if it lasted. If it lasted, it was like a one shot. I'm like, I mean, if it was a long term campaign, we're gonna play for months and months. I'd like, I don't, uh, I just don't think I could get into it. Yeah. But if I ran it. I think I'd have more fun because I'd be watching my friends have a hell of a good time with all this stuff. And they would, if they were into reacting and interacting as those different age groups, that could be fun. If if they're in it, then yeah, I would love to run that game for them. But if someone said, Hey, I'll run it. Do you want to play? Like, nah. I mean, if you have an opening, you're like, Hey, you know, you could really use a guy to fill in and watch it come play. Sure. What the hell type of thing. But it wouldn't, it's not my first choice. Yeah. Like if I go to a gaming convention, I'm looking through the list of stuff. And I'm like, oh, you know, oh, thank God, Kids on Bikes is here. I'm going to make sure I get a ticket. And that's not the first game I'm going to look for. Sure, sure. 
Well, yeah, some people are like that with, you know, Savage Worlds or any particular system. Oh, yeah. It's not, like and it's just, it's, I don't, for me, the interesting thing is it's not the mechanic, it's the genre yeah. that I'm not interested in, which I also know some people don't give two shits about the horror genre. They don't care about fantasy. They don't right. care about whatever, whatever. And this is <clears throat> the interesting piece about this, as I've said with the golden age of gaming, is this is now a genre. Yes. Of of RPGs, there are RPGs that are uh, built directly, like No Thank You Evil and Little Wizards and stuff that is built specifically for children to play. And now there's RPGs like these and Bubble Gumshoe and such that are built to emulate and help and run games where you literally play kids. <clears throat> Excuse me, and I think that is really interesting. That it's something we'd be like, yeah, I guess that'd be kind of a neat idea. Who would buy that? <laughs> Guess what? A shit ton of people buy that stuff, yeah. and it has it speaks it speaks wonders and just volumes about how really cool the hobby is. That I can say, yeah, geez, it's just not my thing, but that's okay. There are fifteen hundred other genres. There's probably ten more genres I didn't even know existed that are out there somewhere for me to find. So if this is if you're like, yeah, Brett, that I don't care that you don't like it, which good, don't care what I don't care what I like or don't like. But if you're like, wow, this sounds really interesting, they're out there, man. And that means that there are men and women and folks running games of Tales from Loop, Bubblegum Shoe, and Kids on Bikes out there that you can get in on a cons, online gaming, or whatever. So if this does sound interesting to you, do not let me dissuade you. Just because I'm like, eh, it's not my thing. Sean's obviously very passionate about it. And if you could see his face, he's been all smiles since he's been talking about it. So. I think I think they're both both interesting games, and I think the way they're put together facilitates what they're trying to go after, which is a lot of games don't. You know, I think that that's a very important piece is that you've got to, for genre emulation, especially something where you're going to have adults trying to be a thing, having that bumper, having guides to say, look, I'm sorry, but kids don't do X type of thing or no, five year olds don't behave like that. They, or whatever the case is, I think I think that's important. And what you're telling me, both of these do seem like they would do a damn fine job of that. So pretty cool. I mean, there's an aspect of player character creation in Tales from the Loop where you pick your favorite song. What would cool. you pick? What would you pick, Brett? From in the eighties. In the eighties, yeah, favorite song. I don't know. I have no idea. I, know. <laughs> I think the eighties skipped Brett. No, I mean it was there, but it was kind of like <laughs> meh. Did you did not? You, it sounds like you didn't have a good '80s. No, I did not. '90s was much better. I was in college. Okay, that college, that, was, college was much better. That probably plays a huge role. Yes, it does. I don't think I personally don't think the '80s were great. I think it was, you know, full of crappy teenager years. But so, I mean, shit, man, found role playing games. Yeah, I mean that was like. No, I, I get it. There were. It's not like. My teenage, my my eighties were so abysmal. I wish I was dead, type of thing, or nothing that bad. But I just, I do not have, I do not think back on that as this wonderful time. I'd love to, <laughs> love to revisit. Not just, the Wonder Years. No, not the Wonder Years. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Well, see if you uh, if you have comments, if you played either one or both, let us know. And uh, your experiences with them, or if you side with Brett and you're like, you know what, I have absolutely no interest in whatsoever in reliving or rehashing. Like my wife would would, would take the stance with Brett. Like I have, she has no 
like no passion, nothing in looking backwards. That's just her. And she doesn't get, she doesn't get high school reunions or any of that stuff. So if you're like that with Brett, just let us know. And the other piece too, is if you know of other games out there, they're like, Oh, you think those, those are good. You should try X lay that on us too. That would be pretty cool. That would be very cool. All right, let's get into die roll. All right, Brett. So I'm gonna put the uh, the bubble gum shoe one out there. I'll put a little link out there to you. Can always go to Evil Hat, but it is on Drive Through RPG for twelve fifty as of today. So that would be a good one to check out if you're interested in that type of thing. And if you haven't liked Gumshoe, as I do, that was uh, that would be one that I would be more drawn to than the others. So I thought I'd throw that out there. Sean, what do you got? So I will put in links to Kids on Bikes and Tales from the Loop on drive through if you want to pick them up. There'll, there'll be affiliate links, so if you buy one, we get a little bit of something-something. Um, and then I'll put a link to Stranger Things on IMDb. If you're not familiar with that show that's on Netflix, um, they have two seasons that have been out. Um, check those out if you, it interests you. Goonies, if you grew up in the era that I did, You'll know about the Goonies. If you haven't, check it out. Um, there's some pretty... Um, you get to see pretty, Thanos when he was a teenager. You, That's exactly who I was going to say. Yep. <laughs> Thanos is a teenager. So there's the reference. And then one from listeners, Brett? Yeah, Goblin's Henchman. He put out... He, Goblin's Henchman has this... Apparently, he, he likes giant insects. And so he's got Carapace, a little, invent, a little adventure. I've got a link in the show notes. He posted up on Google+. Plus. Um, so a little link out there. The henchman always pulls out some really good old school type of gaming for first ed. So I thought I'd throw that out there. Good job, henchman. Yes. Thank you so much. Uh, next week I put in the schedule, Brett, pre-campaign questionnaire. What the hell is that, Sean? So what I was thinking is if you sat down with a group that you've never played with, it's like pre-session. It'd be either session zero or pre-session zero. Session minus one. Minus one is what I labeled it. So if you were to sit down and say, hey, I got a bunch of questions. So, Brett, you could have two or three or you could have 33. But I was wondering if we sat down and told people, like if you sat down and said, all right, I'm going to run a game for strangers and I'm going to ask them a bunch of questions. Here are the questions I would ask. And we put it in a document and then release it to everybody publicly. The purpose of this, I'm going to run a game and I'm going to ask them what they want to play. Yeah. So everything to, hey, what are you looking for? What type of game do you want to see? Do you want I to mean, play kids on bikes? Get out of my group. No, right. right exactly. <laughs> you, want, you, want, you want to play this? Get out of my group. You want That's to play right. Cthulhu? Get the fuck out of here. Okay. Exactly right. Like we, we understand it. So it could be down to, you know, do you want high adventure, high role playing, more tactical, um, you know, any anything that kind of helps you as a game master get information from your players and then you can run based off of that. Okay. Does that make sense? I think it does. You think you could do that, Brad? I think I could do that. We've been talking about, I've been chatting with my home group about this after some of the D and D games were running wrap up. And when my buddy Nick star Wars game is over, you know, I want to run something and I've been saying, Hey, what do you guys want to do? And uh, it's interesting how sometimes it's it's pulling teeth to get gamers to tell you stuff. And you can say, hey, I got this really cool game, um, you know, kids on bikes. 
And somebody be like, well, um, oh, well, I, uh, and like, well, why, that just doesn't sound interesting. What do you want? Well, I don't know, but not that. You're like, oh, my God. And having some kind of a, a list such as this um, does help in the uh, teeth pulling. Yeah, and it could be anonymous if you do it in a form. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you don't have, you know, well, I know who that handwriting is or whatever, but nonetheless, I thought if we were to sit down and, and do a questionnaire pre-campaign, and put that out to folks where they could answer them and you could go, oh, okay, nobody wants to play X game or even you do top three games. Everybody seems to want to play D&D. Great. Go with that. Everybody likes or a majority likes high role play. Mm-hmm. Two or more tactical. Great. Do they want to do homebrew or something established? Some of those things. So Brett's like frantically typing these down. So yeah, I am. Next week. I like so. this. I like this. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, that's it. Cool, man. So I'm your host, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming and BS brought to you with the help from the following BSers. Graham Miner, Corey Wynn, Andy Hall, Brian Kurtz, Larry Hout, Mark Tasaka, Pierre Mongrove, C.W. Mellencamp, Chris Steele, Ron Bishop, Thomas Hook, Wayne Humphrey, Craig, Brandon Barnes, Laramie Wall, Dan LaValley, Jason Hobbs, Michael Drescher, Sky, Roger Brasslett, John Hammersley, Old School DM, Perry Besor, Michael Dinos, Jim Fitzpatrick, Matt Cyberlick, Chad Gleyman, Lord Tentacle, Corey Welch, Kyle Winter, Mirko Froelich, Joe Swick, Curtis Takahashi, Josh Wallace, Kevin Lovecraft, and Andy Olson. For ways to support the show, head over to gamingandbs.com forward slash support dash us. Thanks, BSers! This has been a Litterbox Studio production. production.